How many folk have been been blessed? You've been blessed by by those by those messages. It's been um, it's been good. It's been really good as God is uh, moving us to uh, know what it is to take that seat of the beloved and, and having His love re-identify me. So I'm not being identified by what I've gone through. Not being identified by what people say about me. I'm not being identified by what I say about myself. I'm being identified by his love. And anything else that would try and come and bring identity to me that does not match with that, I'm learning not to accept that. Because if it's anything apart from, from his love, then it can't be something that's, that has the right to identify me. Because I've actually purchased the Bible says I've been bought at a price. It was a high price, the bloodshed. So when the purchase was made, I was the item that was purchased. So therefore, the one who purchased me, when I come into Christ, he has the, he has the only right to be able to identify me and calls me his beloved, may be accepted. So that's what we've been with that. But we're taking um, a little bit of a curve today. This is actually more of a uh, standalone message. Um, the thought I'm going to use today is the cleansing agent, the cleansing agent, and what, what we're about to dive in and talk about, um, and it, it fits in, because what we're going to talk about is the, the scalpel of the word, exactly how it comes in, and it cuts on us, Amen. it cuts on us, and it's supposed to, it's supposed to have a cutting part, it's supposed to have uh, this proponent to it to where it comes and it cuts and it's painful it's, it's not necessarily going to feel good all the time but after the surgery after I get over the pain of being cut on I'm put in a much better condition than I was before I got cut on and that's the that's the power of the worst that's where we're that's where we're headed today so I want to get everybody to go ahead and turn to John chapter 15 I actually got quite a few scriptures. So uh, I hope you got your, your, your writing hand, your good writing hand, ready to go. They'll all be on the screen uh, for the most part. So uh, my note takers, you can, you can just uh, note them down. And uh, if, you, if you're good like that with your Bible, and you can flip and you, you go right ahead and you go ahead and get it done. But we're starting in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Let's pray right quick. Lord, you are magnificent. You are wonderful. This is the time now where we are about to partake and eat of the bread of your word. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me to be able to preach and to teach the way that you have given it to me, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we're about to explore these scriptures and be strengthened by what it is that we learn, by what it is that we'll be instructed in. So Holy Spirit, we make space and we make room for you to come and to teach us, to come and to coach us, to come and to train us, to do what it is that you do best. I stand, Lord, as an agent, uh, as an instrument, as a tool to be used. And I thank you, Lord, that as I'm being used, that everyone will walk away from this time stronger be the one holding the microphone because I want to be strengthened too, Lord. Let us experience and embrace this time together, Lord, and be strengthened by your word in Jesus' name. Someone shout amen. amen. All right, all right. Let's do 
Let's do, let's do a little work. We got a lot of scriptures, so let's let's rock and roll. John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 1. We're going to uh, go through verses 1 through 4 with this. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Let me read that again. All right. So, so we're the branches. He's the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Understandable there. If, I, if I'm a branch and I'm not producing what I'm supposed to be producing, it's, it's okay to take me away. It's right to take away. Now, watch this. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That word means cut. He cuts. So I get cut off if I don't bear. And I get cut on even if I do bear. Case in point, you cannot escape the cutting. No matter what you do. No matter how good, not good, right, wrong. There is no way to escape the cutting. I'm going to be cut on either way. So if I, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Next verse. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me. Now, in, in reference to this, uh, go to verse 3 of that, Tristan, please. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And I told you that my thought uh, for this was the cleansing agent. The cleansing agent. And with that, I want, I want us to explore how the Holy Spirit takes the word and becomes a cleansing agent for us. Because we see here, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he's telling the disciples that there is a cleaning that has already happened over you and happened over your life because of not what I've done, but what I said to you. Because of what I have said to you, there is a cleansing and a cleaning that has happened to you and that has happened over your life. And that word clean is another word actually for cut. So you've already been cut off because of what it is that I have spoken to you. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is the one of the triune being that still remains in the earth. He's given to believers as the guide and the one who was to remind the disciples of all that Jesus taught and spoke. There's, a other, there's another place in the book of John where he talks about, I'm going to go. He's telling the disciples, Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm, don't cry because I'm leaving, because I'm going to send something else, send someone else in my stead. And it's actually to your advantage that I go, because when I go, I'm here in front of you. But when he comes, he's going to actually come and be in you and be upon you. So that's to your advantage and whatever it, what it is that he what he brings is going to be a reminder of what it is that we've already talked about. 
So what it is that we've already talked about, he's going to come to make sure that there is a reminder that comes to you that doesn't get you off track. Now, you have to stop here and bless him and thank him for the fact that he gave me a reminder. Because life sometimes can pull me off track, make me forget what it is that he said to me, and I start operating in a complete opposite factor as if God had not said something to me already. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a place to where you come in church and you, you high off of the spirit, you had this great experience, the team just rocked it out, Ryan was killing it on the keys, we had a wonderful time, and the next day, Amen. it's quiet, I know I'm right with it then, completely forgot everything that God said. Completely forgot everything that God promised. Completely forgot everything that we discussed at the time of preaching. Completely it just left me. But the Holy Spirit is a reminder. Amen. He's the one that's supposed to be in me to bring that reminding and bring to remembrance back to me. Because life is going to try and come at me to get me skewed and get me back off track. But as long as I keep myself connected with that reminder, abide in me and I abide in you. Keeping myself connected with that reminder, keeping myself connected with the one who reminds, I'm always connected and not too far away from what it is that he has said. And he's the one that's still here in the earth because God the Father and God the Son have, are, in, are in heaven. But God the Holy Spirit is the one that still remains in the earth. He doesn't get a lot of clout. We don't really talk about or have a true understanding of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's still here with us. Still here with us and so close that he's actually within us. And he is the empowerment of God to live a grace-filled and a grace-conscious life which leads me toward my destiny in God. He also empowers us to live a life where we watch the impossible bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And this is something that for, for a lot of people within church context is something that's so far from us in our mind because we still have that pulpit pew mentality. As if I'm the most powerful person in here. I just say it. That's the thought of a lot of church goers. That because someone like me holds a microphone, that I have some kind of more special connection to God or some special access pass that's been given to me or given to people that do what I do and not to someone that sits in the pew. And that could not be further from the truth. And I'm going to prove my point with the scripture. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He is not talking to preachers. Amen. Amen. He's talking to businessmen who have left their businesses to become his followers. Amen. So anyone who will fall into the category of becoming a student of Jesus, becoming a disciple of Jesus, he has given them the command to do this. And I'll say this next. He's not just talking to those 12. That's still a command for any disciple. That's a command. A command given to us to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. This is to show us the kind of power that is, that is given to us when we allow the Holy 
Holy Spirit to come inside and dwell within us and we keep that connection so that remembrance is able to go on. And I'm telling us this because I've got to get us to understand and us to come into this understanding together that whatever it is that's in my life that may seem mundane and boring and monotonous and I feel like there's nothing that's great or expansive about my life, God has said something completely different and I gotta make sure that I keep my perspective in the same way that God keeps his perspective and I don't let my Monday through Saturday talk me out of the greatness that God has called me to walk in. Amen. So we try to Good, good. All right. And we have full assurance and confidence that what he guides into and reminds us of this is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to guide us into and is going to remind us of the things that God has spoken about us. So much so that what he's going to say, we can guarantee that it is right off of the lips of God himself. This is why. Because Jesus only spoke what the Father spoke and did what the Father did. So if the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of Jesus, he is going to remind us of what the Father said. I know it's gotten confused about that, but I need everybody to track it with me. Because the Holy Spirit comes as a reminder. He's reminding me of what Jesus said. If he's reminding me of what Jesus said, Jesus told me that he only speaks what the Father says, and he only does what the Father says do. So anything that the Father did not say or did not do, we don't have to worry about Jesus getting involved with that. So anything that's coming from the Holy Spirit is coming from Jesus, which is coming from God. Showing that if I'm on track by what the Holy Spirit is saying and constantly reminding me of, then I'm right where I am supposed to be. I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and I'm right in the mix of what it is that I am supposed to be doing. And in fact, we get to see snapshots of the Holy Spirit before Jesus actually sent him into the earth, because he didn't get sent into the earth and rest upon the people until the book of Acts. But this is how we get to see him. John chapter 6 and uh, 63. Uh, Tristan, please. Read John chapter 6. Yes, that's it right there. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. This is what I want us to focus in on. The words I speak, okay, the words that Jesus speaks is what he was saying. Though, that I speak to you are spirit and life. But there are still some of you who won't believe. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So let's 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 look at this a little bit. Let's look at this. I'm getting, I'm getting a little getting a little happy now. All right. So the words that he speaks, that Jesus speaks, anytime that Jesus talks and he's saying something, we can guarantee that what he has said to us is spirit and is life. So if I if I find myself in a time when I'm down in spirit and I'm low in life, I don't quite have a flow of word coming to me. If I'm finding myself constantly with this, then I don't have the, the necessary flow of word coming to me that I need 
coming to me. And what I am talking about is flowing in the place of the heart. I think that was last week when we talked, touched on it. The importance of the heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. That's why I'm told the guard is so heavy. Because if whatever it is that gets in my heart that comes out, that anything that comes out of my life first got into me within my heart. So if I don't like the harvest that's coming out of my life, then I got to change the kind of seed that's going into my heart. Now, what is the word called? The word is called seed. In the Bible, 30, 60, 100 fold, Mark chapter 4, you can go and read it. It talks about the seed that the soul was sowing, and that is actually the word of God. So I take the seed of the word that Jesus first spoke. That's how I know it's the word of God. And whenever it is spoken, it is supposed to give spirit and it's supposed to give life. So whenever I need a sense of re-energizing or vitality to come into my life, the best place I can go is the word of God. The best place that I can go is the word of God because in it is packed the vitamins of spirit and life. Guaranteed. Every time. Amen. That's why I got to get a steady diet of it. I can't just have it one day a week. Amen. It, it is impossible and it is too much pressure on me to try and fill you up in 45 minutes. I, can, I cannot do that. Come on. Then there's no way that I possibly in my humanness, because I'm just as human as you are. I can't, I can't do that. But that's why we talk about constantly the, the importance and the vitalness of building a relationship with your Bible and building a relationship with attuning your ear to what it is that the Spirit is saying. Because as long as you've got a constant flow of what is being said about you from the one who made you, you are guaranteed to have the Spirit and the life that you need to be able to flow and be everything that God has called you to be. If you're going to move in advance into your tomorrow, if you're going to move in advance into the things that God has called you to be and to stand up against within life, you have got to make sure that you've got a constant flow of something that is going to feed you spirit and feed you life. We good? Okay, okay. Get a little happy here, but trying to make sure I'm staying on track. So Jesus said, his words of spirit and life, so when Jesus, who in John chapter 1 has said that he is the word made flesh, right? So, so we, got, we got the word saying words. So when the word says a word, it releases something into the atmosphere. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Now, why is this important? This is important because, uh, Tristan, give me Romans 14, 17. I think I'll put it up there. Yes, sir. Thank you. This is why all that is important. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This right here, Paul is giving us a complete definition of what the kingdom is. Kingdom has a lot of components, has a lot of things that we use to, to uh, describe and to say what it is. But at its basic core, it is righteousness, joy, righteousness, joy and peace but it's inside something righteousness joy and peace inside of the holy spirit so the holy spirit is this right here is the kingdom righteousness joy and peace inside of the holy spirit now and we also know that whenever jesus says something it releases spirit and life so when he says something that releases spirit and life, and then righteousness, joy, and peace, which is the kingdom, is compacted in the Holy Spirit. I hope you're not bored because I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this. 
So it's important because uh, we know that righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit is what the kingdom is. So this is where we can make the connection that the kingdom of God both is and lives inside of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus spoke his word, he was releasing not only the Holy Spirit, but he was releasing the entire kingdom whenever he spoke something. This is what he, this is what was happening. This is how were, things were able to move and to shift the way that they were. Because whenever he said something, he just, he just wasn't releasing words. Whenever he said something, he literally was ushering in the kingdom of God off of what was rolling off of his lips. Ooh, good, good, good. When Jesus spoke, he changed the options available in the atmosphere because the reigning authority of the kingdom became present and therefore the reality of that realm became present. Here's an example. When Jesus was in uh, the synagogue one time, I think it's Luke chapter 4, he stands up and he reads out of the scroll. When he stands up and reads out of the scroll, he reads Isaiah 61 where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to accept, proclaim, uh, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, set, uh, uh, set at liberty uh, any captives. Okay, when he's reading that, there is literally a move that is happening inside of that space and inside of that place because when he sat down, the Bible says that people looked at him as trying to figure out who this was and how he was able to speak with such authority. Trying to figure out what, what was happening. What, how was it that they were even able to sense that? Because if you, if you do your history, if you do your research from, from the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, there's actually 400 years of complete silence where God said absolutely nothing to anybody. 400 years. And after the 400 years, now we are introduced to the Son of God in flesh. He comes, picks up the scroll, reads, and there is a reintroduction of spirit and life that is coming off of what it is that he is saying. Because what it is that he is saying is coming straight from the Father. So he's talking, he's reading. And there are people that are in the midst hearing what it is that he is saying. Because of what, because of his connection with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the fullness residing within him. When he talks, it causes a shifting and a moving to happen within his atmosphere, happen within his environment. Because he's literally releasing the kingdom. Now, if that happened with him, and that happened with what it was that he was saying, whenever I say what he has said, Whenever I say what he said, does not the same thing happen when I talk? Amen. Amen. All right. Why would it be any different if I'm saying what he said? Thereby showing that I do not have to necessarily accept right or accept things that come to me in a happenstance fashion. Because as long as I got a connection to what it is that he said, and then I say the same thing, I can get the same result of allowing the entire kingdom of God to come and to be ushered in to a situation. So whenever there's a sickness that tries to attack my body, 
I'm releasing the kingdom. Now I'm, I'm saying all of this because what I want to do is build, build the inseparable connection between the word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Okay? The word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Because he is, he is released. The Holy Spirit is released when the word of the Lord is given. But he also uses that as the cleansing agent. As the cleaning agent. This is what he uses. He uses the word. Now, from our John 15 text, we can see that God rewards all growth with pruning. Go, yeah, uh, Tristan, go back to John 15, 1, please. Take us back there right quick. Sorry, verse 2. Specific, yes, right there. And here we go, right? So every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. That it may bear even more. So I've got a certain degree that I'm bearing. And God's appreciative. But he says, there's a little bit more that I can get out of. There's a little bit more that I can get. So, the solution to that is, I'm going to cut you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to cut you. So, this, this shows that when I'm going through a cutting phase or a cutting time, it's not necessarily punishment. Amen. Amen. It's not because I did something wrong. It's not because I'm off course. It's not necessarily because I did not do something right. It could be that there's something more that God sees. And the only way for him to get out of me, what he sees, is he's got to cut on me a little bit. My God. My God. He's got to take the scalpel of his word and cut on me a little bit. Now let's talk, let's talk a little bit more as far as like what, that, what that cutting does. Because we know that it's all about increase. The Father is obsessed with increase and making sure that we maximize the fullness of ourselves, maximize the fullness of my life. The pro problem with that is, me being a finite being, whenever I get into a present situation or circumstance or something that's facing me in the present moment, I can think that's all there is. I don't have the ability to see tomorrow in the way that God does. Remember, he declares the end from the beginning. Sees the full thing. So sees the fullness of my life. Sees 20 years from now, right now, he sees it. So he's able to see that. That's how he's able to work all things together. Making sure that it works out good. Declaring the end from the beginning. Starting at the end and working the way back. He can do that because he has that panoramic view. But I don't necessarily have that view right now. If I did, I would be able to make decisions in a certain way. But because I do not have that ability, I trust in the fact that his ability in being able to do that is something that's trustworthy knowing that what I see right now is not all that there is because he's taken me somewhere. So you are already clean, already pruned, already cut because of the word I have spoken to you. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives cuts away at what does not display the character of Christ in our lives by using the sickle, using the sword of what he says to us. What he says to us. Hebrews 4. Give me Hebrews 4, Tristan. Because this is going to talk to us about how the word is able to be 
uh, be that sword, be that knife. If you don't have it, I'll, I'll flip to it right quick. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Boom, my man, that's what I'm talking about. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Sharper than any two-edged sword. So, so the Holy Spirit takes the word that comes from the Father, makes its way through the Trinity to himself, is reminding me, both reminding me of what was said, and then at the same time taking that word and begins to cut away on my life in three areas. He cuts away at how I build my value system. That's what's important to me. He cuts away on what you or what, what, what I define as important. I think all of us can say that there were things at one point that I used to think were important. But after spending time with the Holy Spirit and spending time in the Word, my value system has been shifted and changed. That's not something that happens to me by my will and by my discipline. That takes place as the Word of the Lord begins to cut away at the branches in my life and in my thinking that are not productive. That's why I have to stay connected in the way that I stay connected so that his word is able to come and cut away those things. So it cuts away in my value system. It cuts away at how I interpret life. This is what, see, see when it cuts and starts cutting away at how I interpret life, I no longer look at trial and issue the same way. This is this is this is that one. This is that one that can get us caught off. This is that one that we can cut that we can forget tomorrow. Cause trial, cause trial and issue is not gonna not visit me tomorrow or gonna try and give me a break. Trial and issue is always gonna be there. But I also have the sickle of the word to be able to cut on how I interpret that. So since I can't necessarily get rid of that, I gotta get rid of my stinking thinking toward. If that's not going to go away, I just got to look at it differently. And the word of the Lord is able to help me in how it is that I interpret what it is that's happening to me. So now I see it as an opportunity of advancement. Now I see it as an opportunity for the glory of God to be displayed in a way that has never been displayed before. Now I see it as an opportunity for some kind of growth and some kind of increase to come within my life. And God is setting the stage and setting things right and setting it in such a way to where when he steps in, he's going to receive all the glory that's due unto him. And I'll be able to make sure that I know and I recognize that any advancement that came in my life came as a result of the goodness of God. And it came because he's so fit for it to be there. And I'm going to interpret differently Amen. by the word of the Lord that cuts on me. And number three, this all encompasses, but it cuts on our character. Cuts on our character because his chief priority is to conform us into the image of his son. That's the end result of the journey of being a Christian, of being a believer. It is not for him to bless me with all sorts of things. It's not for him to answer all my prayers. I'm saying that that's not the end result. I'm not saying those things don't happen. 
I'm not saying that God don't want to do those things. I'm not saying that God's not going to do those things. We got to understand, God wants to do that stuff more than we want him to. God wants to do all of that more than you want. See, I know that's hard to believe because we feel like our prayer, our thing that we put before God, we have, we, we want it so bad and we want God to do this so much. But you cannot have a greater desire for that to be done than the Father who loves you in a beloved sense wants to do that and wants to give that to you. But the key with that is he will only release that whenever the environment has been set and is conducive for what it is that he said is supposed to be there. That faith that is absent of the doubt. But we get that later. We'll get that later. That's not, that's not for today. I just saw a spot for it, so I had to jump in there and get on it. Now, where was I? I, I lost my spot. Carol. Yes, Carol. So the word of the Lord cuts, cuts away on our character. Give me uh, Psalm 105 and 19, please. Tristan. Yes, sir. So cutting away on our character. Until the time. Okay, so uh, backstory. Psalm 119 is, uh, is the longest song uh, in, in the book of Psalms. It's like 100 and some verses. All of it, David is talking to us about the word. About the word of the Lord. His value for the word of the Lord. His value for what it is that God says. And this is what he said in 19. Until the time that his word came to pass. This is in reference to Joseph. So Joseph, uh, if you know the story, Genesis 37, he, he, uh, he gives the dream to his brothers. Brothers didn't like it. He goes through this entire process of a dream that he got from the Lord. Tells his brothers they didn't like it. He goes through this series of, of uh, different events and whatnot that gets him to the fulfillment of what it was that God said. Now, in reference to that, until the time that Joseph's word came to pass... So he got something, so that space of I got it, and then it comes to pass. So in that space of it being fulfilled, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. Give me the, uh, give me the next one, the Passion Translation. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. Until it was time for his dreams to come true. I got to read that again. God's promise to Joseph. What God said to Joseph. What God told him. The word itself purged him. Cut him. Cleaned him. In his character. So you might want to be careful asking God to give you a word. Amen. Because what's not going to happen is you get a word, sit back, and be a do nothing. And it comes fast. Guaranteed, that's not how it's going to work. When God delivers a word, and God gives something to you in the form of a promise, God gives something to me in the form of I am going to make this happen in your life. Here's what it's going to do. Purge me. Cut on me. In my character. In how it is that I live. But once again, it's not, that's, that's not a bad thing. Because I need a certain character to be able to have capacity for what it is I have asked God for. 
Ephesians 4. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. There is a matching life and a matching capacity that I have to have for what it is that I have asked God for. But most of the time, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm ready for it now. That's why I'm asking for it. I'm ready right now, Lord, so just go ahead and release it to me. But God says otherwise because he's going to cause his promise to purge me in my character. Listen, until it's time, there is a set time to where everything that God has said to you, everything that God has spoken, everything that God has promised will see itself manifest in real-time form and come true. But until that time, Amen. there is a purging and there is a cutting away on my character that the word has to do so that I am fit for what it is that I have asked for. That's so good. That is delicious. Just good. So we, we all right? So the Holy Spirit then is, is like an artisan. He looks at the life of the believer and with anticipation and excitement, he starts to cut away Cut away on those branches that have grown wild in my thinking, that have grown wild in my heart. And he's cutting away based off of the whispers and what it is that he speaks and what it is that he says to me. Because whenever I act, think, behave in a certain way, Holy Spirit whispers to me that that's not necessarily the right thing. What has happened is you have been cut. You've been cut away. Anyone that's trimmed bushes and whatnot, when, you, when you're dealing with a bush that has been overgrown and it's just got things everywhere, it's not that the, the entire bush needs to be gotten away with. I just need to trim away at the things that have gotten out of control. Because the bush itself I want to keep. The bush is beautiful. Amen. The bush is pretty. The bush has a sense of, of purpose and vitalness to the, to the entire view of the yard, to, to the aesthetics of the yard. So I'm not going to get rid of the bush, but what I am going to do is come away. Trim. And in trimming away, it's going to come back to the place that it needs to be and being able to fulfill the purpose that it needs to happen on. So but his greatest work, the greatest work that will be done in our life by the hand of God is not what he does necessarily through our hands or what he gives to us externally. It is what he does in our hearts as he crafts a proper view in which we view ourselves and the world. Now, let me, let me get, at my, um, get at my examples with this. There's three examples I'm going to look at in, um, in the scriptures as to how the Lord worked this in the disciples' life. Because we, we're, we're about to see is he's going to, uh, well, I, I don't necessarily have this one up there, but I, I'll just give it to you. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We see the Lord give the call to the disciples to go out into various cities, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing the sick, raising the dead, and everything that he told them to do. So they have come back from that. So they've tasted some success. They've tasted some things working. For them, they come back from that, and we're about to look at three accounts in Scripture as to how them coming off of success skewed their view and caused branches to start to grow wild in them. Case in point with that is because there's only certain there's certain branches and certain thinking patterns that only are exposed in me when I taste success. 
when I win. When things start going right and things start going well, there, there, there are certain things that will rise up in me. The number one thing we talk, we think about most of the time is pride. I start thinking more of myself. But then, too, there can be the reverse form of pride where I start getting afraid and getting scared of success because I'm scared that I don't have what it takes to sustain it. I'm scared that it's going to be lost. And I'm scared there's some kind of embarrassment that's going to happen. But, but none of that can happen without the winning. So we see him put them in a place to where they win. And because there's some branches of uh, faulty viewpoints that will only be dialed up by success. Because we all have gifts under the Lordship of Jesus. That when all, we all have gifts. And when we bring that gift under the Lordship of Jesus, it brings him great glory. When I use that gift outside of the Lordship, it can cause myself great detriment and great torment. And that's what, that's what we're about to see. They step outside of the Lordship. To use that gift. Give me uh, Luke chapter 9 verses 49 through 50. This is. This is the account where the disciples have. Saw people. Casting out demons. In the name of Jesus. But they're not one of the followers. So the disciple John said. Master we found someone who was casting out demons. Using your name. And we tried to stop him. Because he doesn't follow you like we do. Next verse. Jesus responded. All right. So, so we saw we saw the branch. Lord, they cast out demons in your name. We ain't putting up with that because they ain't in our crew. That kind of sounds like church. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that alone. Jesus responded. You shouldn't have hindered them. Here's the signal. Look at it. You shouldn't have hindered them. For anyone who is not against you is your friend. So they come thinking they done did it right. We told them to stop. They're not a part of this crew. They have not been authorized to do that. Jesus steps in. No, 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 no. You don't, don't stop them. Because anyone that's not against you is for you. Simple. Cutting away on them. Cutting away. Look, look at the subtlety. He didn't embarrass them. What's wrong with y'all? What's going on here? It wasn't an embarrassing thing. But with, with the sickle of the word, he was able to cut away at how it is that they looked at it and change the view. Give me the next one. Uh, Luke, uh, chapter 9, I think it's verse 54. Yes, sir. Thank you. Now, when the disciples, Jacob and John, it seemed to always be these two, Jacob and John realized what was happening, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you wanted to, you could command fire to fall down from heaven just like Elijah did and destroy all these wicked people. Now, context with this, they're trying to go through the city of Samaria and the people won't let them come through. Samaria, Samaritans are saying, no, y'all can't, can't walk through here. Y'all got to find another track to go on. So in response to this, Jacob and John try to convince Jesus, hey, if Elijah called out fire to smoke some things, let's, let's, do, let's do the same thing. Let's do the same thing and wipe out and destroy these people. But the Lord responds, and I don't think I put it up there. I apologize for that. This is what the Lord responds. He says, you, don't you realize what is coming from you when you say that? Son of man did not come to destroy life, 
but to bring life to the earth. So here we are once again. There's a skewed view. Just kill them. Get rid of them. And here comes the signal of the word. No, son of man has come not to destroy life. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to bring life. So let's cut back on that. Let's cut that branch away. Let's cut that back. And then give me the last one. Luke uh, chapter 9, 46 through 48. This is, this is the disciples arguing over who, who was the greatest. The disciples began to argue and become preoccupied over who would be the greatest one among them. Next verse. Fully aware of their innermost thoughts, Jesus called a little child to his side and said to them, If you tenderly care for this little child on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. If you care for me, you are honoring my father who sent me. For the one who is least important in your eyes is actually the most important one of all. So here we are once again, cutting away of how it is that we interpret importance, how it is that we interpret things that happen, how it is that we interpret all of the different ways that we look, look at life and look at society and how it is that we grew up and how it is that we've been taught. We have to make that space for the word to come in and be able to cut away at how it is that I have viewed because it what where we have, where we are, where they were is some, some, uh, a little child or someone who doesn't do something that people would put on TV and all of those things are viewed as least important. But the Lord switches that to say that what you would call least important is actually in the kingdom. When I cut on you, you're no longer going to view it that way. And now we will place value and ascribe value to something that the world will call least important because it brings glory to the Lord. That cutting away, that's why I need to be cut. I, I need the word of the Lord to cut on me and to make sure that my viewpoint is, is coming from the right place. That, that cut is coming on me. And in reference to us and everything we've been talking about with error removal and, be, and being beloved, the sickle of the word is going to come and cut away at those arrows and cut away at anything that causes me not to view myself as his beloved. That's, good. That's what's happening. The word comes to cut away at that. And I have to allow that to happen. But we know that when we get cut, it hurts. And that's, that's my last set of scriptures. And I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. Give me uh, Hebrew, Hebrews 12, please, verse 7. It's talking about the, the discipline of the Lord. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? The cutting corrects when I'm cut, there's a correction that's happening with me. But right here, I'm told that I'm being cut because the loving Father is bringing a correction to me. We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship, showing that I'm really a part of the family. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we're strangers and we're not sons. 
And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them. But God corrects us through our life, throughout our lives for his own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. All of discipline seems to be more pain. Cutting of the word can seem like it's more pain than pleasure at that time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation, there it is again, of character. Bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield of it. Righteousness and peace, two of the three components of the kingdom of God. So when I allow the discipline to come in, allow the sickle of the word to cut on me, allow that process for me to be able to walk through that and embrace that process. I am setting myself on a course for the kingdom of God to be made alive in me. For the kingdom of God to be made alive in everything that I touch. For the kingdom of God to be made alive in everything that I do. His kingdom made alive within me. So the Holy Spirit is a master craftsman. Ryan, you go ahead and play with me. I'm going to wrap it up. The Holy Spirit is a master craftsman and wise master builder. Putting together the people of God piece by piece to assemble the spiritual house that God desires. Hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit is hosting a mirror who reflects to us who we really are. When I look into a natural mirror, it reflects natural facts. When I look into the reflective grace of the Holy Spirit, I see as I am fully seen and known by God, which is who he's called me to be and who he is calling me to be. The Holy Spirit is going to reflect to me everything that God has said. And when I embrace this process of allowing the word to come, allowing the word to change and shift my view, change and shift my posture, change and shift my attitude, change and shift how, how I do everything. When I embrace that process and let that cut away happen, being more fit. I'm being fitted in more. And being able to be fitted in more, I will be able to maintain and be able to capitalize on and be able to sustain what it is that I'm asking for. What it is that he's called me to be. What it is that he's called me to do. I'm fit. Because I've experienced and embraced that cup. And as we're going through this journey of allowing the, the arrows to be removed out our heart and getting our heart posture set correctly, this is a part of it. This is the tool that he used, be it, be it through uh, himself in your own quiet time or in this moment when, when the word of the Lord is going forth, when you're in conversation with someone and the word comes up and the goodness of God, discussion of the goodness of God comes up. In any of those spaces, be on the lookout. For the sickle to come and cut.
turn away to where there's something that you might not quite view correctly. Let's cut on that a little bit. Let's cut on that a little bit. I feel like I'm not enough. Let's cut on that a little bit. We gotta cut back on that. I'm unfit. Let's cut back on that a little bit. Life's going nowhere. you to view this the way that I see it. Get you to view you the way that I see you. Because what I see is you haven't even tipped the tip of the iceberg yet. So let me take you through this process of cutting on you. Prune you so that there's much more that can be produced. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father. Stand on your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Let me bless you. Father, we thank you for the word that has been given on today. Thank you, God, for challenging us and not wanting to escape the cutting from your word. Escape the cutting that comes from what it is that you say to us because we know that your cut is the cut that can't be trusted. Because when you cut, when you clean, when you prune, you are doing it so that there's something more that can be added to, Lord. There's something more that can be produced. And we thank you, God, that you see us fit enough to be productive for you in the earth. We want to be productive for you, Lord. We want to be those people that can be trusted to produce the results of the kingdom of God. And I thank you right now, Lord, for taking us through this process, keeping us in the midst of this, and reminding us, reminding us of the understanding that all of this is not for nothing. All of this is not for naught. It's, it's not just something that's happening happenstance, but there is, a, there is a place that you are taking us to. There's a space that you are taking us to, Lord, through this process. And thank you, God, for visiting your people. Thank you, Lord, for living within us. Thank you, God, for instructing us in this time, instructing the people that join us online. And I, I bless your people this day, Lord. I bless your people with the grace of the Lord and the faith of the Lord being upon their life. May they be strengthened, God. Strengthened from this time, Lord. Strengthen them as they go forward in, in their days uh, this week, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for sending your word that as our days are, so shall our strength be. So I thank you for giving them matching strength for the day that they have before them. In Jesus' name, bless them. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Love you. See you next week.